Hey everybody, welcome to the Chicago Podcast Network show Out Front with Nick and AJ, or AJ and Nick, however we choose to position the people today. I am Nick Serranos, the host of Out Front, joined over the interwebs on Skype by my good buddy AJ Zignari. AJ, say hi to the people. Hi people. And that's what we do here, folks. So, we... We have a lot of things to go to today. We're going to hit the the ball to all fields, which is appropriate because we're going to get into the Cubs thing a little bit later on. But we would be remiss in our duties. We would not be who we are if we didn't start today's conversation with, well, the news of the last six months, which realistically has been the news ever since the purchase happened. The newest, and uh, from everything I'm reading, final Star Wars trailer dropped on Monday night, during Monday Night Football, turning a rather boring Eagles-Giants game into something of almost interest. I say almost interest because it was still a pretty bad game. AJ, you saw the new trailer. Did you enjoy it? I liked I liked it. Um, you know, I'm a fan of J.J. Abrams when he does movies and not television shows. And, and I think there needs to be a distinct difference of that because I think he is – Tapping not only to his childhood, but I think he's also trying to be more mindful of what the past was and how to put that into more of a contemporary sense for cultivating new Star Wars fans. And it's the new fans that really need to be sold on this, I feel. There's a whole generation of kids who they're my cousin's age now and they grew up with star wars but they grew up with the prequels they grew up with episodes one two and three which are not the strongest and you needed to kind of figure out a way to allay people's fears that there wasn't going to be a jar jar banks which is unfair I, i when was the last time you watched any of the prequel movies it has been a few years back now because um i've gotten sick and tired of they're kind of doing it over and over again on television, well, at least on satellite TV and all that. So I just kind of stopped. Um, part of me wants to re-watch all of them and see how this all fits into what J.J. Abrams does. I'm more into, more into the cinematography aspect of it than the actual storyline at this point. Really? Yeah. That's because funny. I think if you look at George Lucas's style of we did with Star Wars and what J.J. Abrams do. I'm more interested in how Abrams is using what Lucas has done, but also use his bad robot style of doing films. So you're, you, you just want to make sure there's not going to be, you know, 10,000 things of lens flare is your big right. concern. Uh, the, the, to me, I'm very excited about the use of practical effects. I feel like if you watch those prequel movies, my biggest knock on them is not plot. I'm actually, there are two things in those prequels that I just, I can't stand. One is Hayden Christensen's performance as Anakin Skywalker. And I don't even think that that's his fault. I think the dialogue that was given to him was terrible. The love story just felt really forced. And as the movie kind of goes, as the two movies go on, you're not really rooting for him to, to get the girl. You don't understand what she sees in this. It's also creepy because when she first meets him, he's like a 10-year-old kid. It'd be like if your babysitter actually ended up marrying you. There's a whole lot of weird stuff that goes into it. And you kind of had to 
bury that in. Not to mention that they all look like they were made on a computer. I mean, every scene is done in front of a green screen, and all the ships are very CGI. It, it, it got to the point where you didn't know if what you were watching was real. You didn't know where an actor actually was. You can understand how difficult it could be for an actor to try to deliver a good performance. It, it was just... Those three movies did such a bad job of representing Star Wars and honestly had a lot going for it. You had you know, a 20-year absence between the one movie and the other. You had a rabid fan base who were dying for anything for Star Wars. And you basically made every wrong decision that you could make in telling a franchise story. This one, every trailer just makes you kind of go, yeah, this is Star Wars, which is weird because you haven't... If you really watch those trailers... I have no idea what the story is about. Do you? No, no, because that's what I'm trying to figure out. Going back to all the movies and trying to see, again, I, I, I'm more interested, like I said, about the cinematography, but I also want to know how Force Awakens it plays in this whole storyline because I don't want to see like an actual break and then J.J. Abrams creates a whole new... Star Wars, because I think if you're going to do a series like Star Wars, you need to have some sort of path. You know, you already have the some of the older cast members in this movie, so why not just go with an actual story? And if you want to go veer off the right or left, however you want to do it, then at least acknowledge that you're going to do that and not just have high hopes for people thinking it's going to be the exact same storyline. Oh, so you're saying don't market the movie like it's nostalgia and then try to change the status quo. Well, of course. I mean, look at, look at Star Trek. People thought that Star Trek was um, going to be like the same storyline, but there, I guess there was parts of it that kind of veered in a different direction. Oh, you know? well, I mean... Uh, <clears throat> I'm not saying that they completely screwed the entire Star Trek franchise when they decided to make it that Captain Kirk kind of lucks into his seat as opposed to earning it, but they screwed the entire franchise. Because at the end of the day, did you see Star Trek Into Darkness? Yes. Okay. This is what I've said since that movie came out. I'm not opposed to it, and I will watch any movie, any movie, that allows me to see the Starship Enterprise on the big screen. I love that ship. It is my favorite thing possibly in all of pop culture is the Starship Enterprise. But you don't get to have a guy, two guys, make one movie together and then sell the death as being this monumental thing. When Kirk dies in Star Trek Into Darkness and Spock sells it like his best friend has just been killed, it doesn't have the same emotional resonance as when... The exact same scene is played out between Shatner and Nimoy. Shatner and Nimoy have been working together for 25 years at that point. Right. You, you, you have to earn it. And, and, and I, I, I'm afraid, with J.J. Abrams doing Star Wars, though, I feel like J.J. Like Abrams did Star Trek because he thought there was never a chance he could do Star Wars. Well, that's true for anyone who is a director or producer because there's always those... Um, projects that they their dream projects and someone like J.J. Abrams who has a repertoire of doing sci-fi fantasy type of projects I mean 
I would do it. I mean, if I was J.J. Abrams, I mean, that's like, you know, I want to do Star Wars, but I want to do it in a way that I am embracing of what the franchise is, but also making my own. And it's like, how do you do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the difficult part, is how do you make it your own without kind of ruining everything? And it again, all those trailers, everything you see leading up to this movie makes you think that they're going to do it right. There are characters i'm intrigued by i want to know who kylo ren is i kind of think it might be luke skywalker underneath that mask i want to know who captain phasma is played by the amazing um oh my god i'm totally blanking on her name i gotta get it gwendolyn oh what the hell her name is she's plays brienne of tarth on uh game of thrones it's she's portrayed by gwendolyn christie that's her name gwendolyn christie wanted to make sure I got it right because she's fantastic on that show. She plays like the new leader of the Stormtroopers, it looks like, and, and, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to that. I really like the way that they're portraying Finn, who's the African-American Stormtrooper character. He, I'm excited to see what his storyline is. I'm not going to lie, the Ray, which is the, the young woman who appears in the trailers, if she's not the daughter of Han Solo, I'm going to be shocked, right? Right. I mean... That's one of the things that has never been told is any children at all. Um, excuse me, but <clears throat> let me put on my nerd glasses. In the expanded universe, they actually have three children, two twins, Jason and Jaina Solo. Jaina Solo eventually becomes the sword of the Jedi. Jason Solo turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Tyrannus, who eventually leads the New Republic into a intergalactic war with the Mandalorians. And you know the Mandalorians is the people who make the armor that is Boba Fett's armor. But there's an entire race of people called Mandalorians, and he leads them against them in a giant war, which eventually c- includes a group of people called the Yuzhang Vong, at which point the third son of Han and Leia Anakin, Solo, is killed in a dramatic battle trying to prevent people uh, from from a mass amount of people of dying, and he takes one last stand. Uh, Is that what you're referring to when you say that those stories haven't been told? But they have never been expanded in the movies. They've been expanded in the books. The expanded universe counts. What? The expanded universe counts. I don't care that Disney owns Star Wars. I spent 20 years reading those books, AJ. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the books. I, I know. I just... Like in the actual films. No, you're absolutely 100% correct. I just, that's what I'm saying. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. Films, I just... Not just on the books, because all of us have read the books, but as you know, the books don't get translated into the movies. No, that, that's 100% true. It's just one of those things whenever somebody goes... But the greatest example of the power of the expanded universe, of like the, the thing that grew around Star Wars, when you were a kid, before you ever read a Star Wars novel, did you know how Darth Vader became Darth Vader? Like with a lightsaber fight on a... No, no because, I mean, when I saw all three films back to back, I think it was a family, I think it was Thanksgiving or something, but I remember watching like... Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi in one weekend. And I thought it was the, a cool, the coolest thing ever, you know? Um, but then I didn't care about the storyline. It was like, whatever. And then as I kept watching those same three movies over and over again, then it's like, who's Darth Vader? Then you get into the books. <laughs> then you get into the actual... Right, um, but no, my, my, my point is, though, it's been an ex- it was an accepted part of Star Wars lore... That Darth Vader had the reason he had the ar- body of armor on was because he'd had a fight near the side of a volcano. 
10 years after Return of the Jedi, that just became kind of something that was known because it was mentioned in a novel somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it got into pop culture so that when I was, uh, let's see, so I'd been in 10, 11, 12, so this is 92, 93, 94, was when I started really getting into Star Wars. And I'll tell you a funny story about that in a minute, but that's when I started to learn you know, this expanded universe stuff, which it has informed on the movies. Because when they eventually made Episode 3, well, how does Darth Vader become Darth Vader? He gets in the fight on the side of a volcano, which is something I had known 15 years before that movie ever even came out. And, and that was the power of it then, and now they've kind of redacted some of that and undone it. And, and I'm okay with it, because as long as it gets me more Star Wars movies, I'm content with it. But to me, our generation in particular is in a weird place with this. Our parents loved these movies in the theaters when they first came out. We were given them on VHS, and honestly, the first time that movies were able to come home, right? Like, I remember right. going to Blockbuster Video, and there was a time period where, you know, Star Wars was always available for me to rent. No one was renting it. There is a time period, and it's hard to explain to people, and I would say it's about 88 to 95, Star Wars wasn't what it is now. There was that time period. I wouldn't say it was looked down on, but it was lumped in with Star Trek, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's something nerds do. That's something nerds watch. Nobody cares about it. And then the re-release started getting built up to uh, in 97, and that's when you got just this massive release of video games and licensed stuff and more than action figures you know you start getting all the toys all the novels technical journals which i have read cover to cover it's very sad and all of these things and and it it explodes out of the culture and then you get episode one kevin smith and a lot of the stuff that he talks about when he talks he's got a podcast and if you are a batman fan you should listen to it's called fat man on batman free plug for kevin smith which he doesn't need but whatever he talks about how in 1989 uh Batman fever when the first Batman movie came out was huge. And I remember a little bit, but I was like seven years old, eight years old. 1999, leading into Star Wars Episode One, I don't think you could ever accurately portray to somebody how popular that movie was before it came out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I guess... The bill, I mean, the bill... And what you just said there is like, I think... We're at a time, I, I saw a documentary, um, there's a group of people called the Documentary Group and everything, and they put a, a series of things out about TV shows, and one of the um, subject matters we're talking about is essentially the the outsider, the nerd, and all that, and it showed this evolution of, you know, you look at a nerd, a geek, whatever, the outsider, and they were kind of portrayed in a different lens in television. But now, if you're a nerd, a geek, or on the fringe, it's kind of, you know, if you're not that, then you're not cool. Well, that way, the nerds, as they were traditionally portrayed, you can kind of look and go, Urkel. You know, from Family Matters. Exactly. That's what nerds were up until the resurgence that really kind of started. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'm I'm just, when you were saying all this, I was looking over the list of movies in the 90s. And if you, I mean, they're really still about, I guess, cartoonish 
sci-fi fantasy things, you know, um, deep sea adventures, um, aliens. Um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't, don't throw aliens in there. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying, aliens. Aliens. It wasn't really a nerd movie. Aliens is a James Cameron action movie. Well, I'm talking about things like Critters. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you meant the actual movie Aliens. No, like Critters, um, stuff like that. You know, uh, Killer but Tomatoes, Rotter Space. You know, you start interjecting like Captain America. You know, um, I think the Punisher was in the '90s. Um, Dolph Lundgren. Hulk. Dolph Lundgren's the 90s. Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. Right. Uh, and then right. there's also, I mean, if you're going to go into that, there's also the the marketing. I mean, look, there are two stories that I need to tell if we're going to get into the like, Star Wars and nerd culture being accepted. The first one is when, if you look back in the 90s, there started this thing. I, first of all, I always say this to anyone who wants to really get into depth, and this is my podcast, damn it, so we'll talk about it this way. I believe that one of the most important scene, things that get us to where we're at with Marvel movies and Star Wars movies, Star Trek movies, even bad ones like Jupiter Ascending, stuff like that, all come down to one moment of dialogue in one movie, and that is the scene in Clerks when they have the Death Star conversation about contractors. Mm-hmm. That scene, in my, in my head when I first saw it, was a unifying thing amongst a lot of my friends to suddenly kind of look, even look around a room of people you were really close with and go, do you get that joke? Yeah, do you get that joke? Yeah, so you get Star Wars as much as I get Star Wars? Yeah. And it became like this thing where you didn't hide it as much because it was in this movie where people have this conversation, and for those of you who don't know the conversation from Clerks, look up Clerks Death Star scene, you'll laugh very hard, but... It's this scene where suddenly everybody's like, oh, people talk about Star Wars. Like me and my buddy talk about Star Wars. That means a lot of people talk about Star Wars. Which, that's 1994, 1993, 94. It kind of reawakens this thing of, you know, people in their 20s love Star Wars. People in the, who are teenagers love Star Wars. Why aren't we doing more with this? Which feeds into them re-releasing the Star Wars movie, which the second story is when I went and saw Independence Day with my dad at midnight at Golf Mill Theater uh, on July 2nd, 1996, the first trailer you saw was just a picture of a TV, like a 20-inch TV. And it's the guy, the announcer goes... Ladies and or for an entire generation, it has only been seen on a screen this big, and it shows you some clips of Star Wars on a twenty-inch frame on the big movie screen, and it goes. But this next summer, see these movies and the X-wing from. I'm such a nerd. Rogue Five, uh, Luke's ship from Star Wars Episode Four, after it comes in and saves uh, Wedge from the TIE Fighter, that camera shot, the X-Wing flies out of the TV and fills the entire movie screen, and the announcer goes, see it in the size it was meant to be. Coming next summer, the Star Wars, the original trilogy, re-release, the special edition, whatever. And the entire theater cheered. I mean, you get that... And that feeds into where we're at now, you know? With the way that they're, they're building to this movie is, is brilliant. You, you have the Han Solo nostalgia. You've got 
new effects, but they're doing it practically. There's that desert world scape. And it's funny, you keep saying that you're interested in the cinematography. This is one of the first times in a movie I do not care about how it's filmed. No, I do because I'm over the years I've gotten more into um, the cinematography of film projects than certain storylines. You know, I, I get I may have an idea of where they're going with it and everything, but I'm more into the the aesthetics of the film and as as well as you know how because I think field, cinematography plays a huge role when it comes to the story that they're telling. You know, I mean the words and the performance in themselves is essential, but it's also how they're portraying things, you know, through what planet they're on, um, who they're positioning, you know, how they're using certain things. And I think that's a little bit more vital than sometimes the story in and of itself. You know what? Normally, on every movie, I would agree with... And every other movie, I would agree with you. But if you look at episode one, episode two, episode three, they're beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are beautifully shot. You, you can't take that away from, from Lucas on those movies. They are the, the shots are framed nicely. Everything's in frame the way that it should be. I, I don't have an issue with the cinematography in those movies. That's why I'm not that worried about this, because J.J. Abrams has proved over his career, even going back to, uh, what was the, Cloverfield. Right. You know, right. he can film a movie very well. My issue is, you had such a bad story in those three prequels to turn... Anakin evil that it just never worked for me I never bought that this hero uh, this great hero is in 10 minutes going to fall from grace because if you watch that episode 3 it really is it's 10 minutes like they, they, they plant the seeds but it's just like all of a sudden he jumps over a cliff and now he's Darth Vader you know, and, and it never worked I'm, I'm con- that's my concern with the Star Wars movie going forward. Do they get the, the next chapter in the story right? At the end of Episode 7, will I literally be sitting in my feet kind of going, okay, that was awesome. Give me Episode 8 right now where I'm going to kill your mother. But are you... I guess my, my other concern for all this is that I think J.J. Abrams is, going, is doing a fantastic job of what he does and who he is. But Walt Disney controls it. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I have a long-standing feud with the Rat and his company, and the reason is, is my mother. I don't. Have I ever explained to you why I hate Disney? I think you said it in brief. Okay. Parts on our on our respective shows, but I don't think the full story. All right. So here's how this works out. When I was a but a wee lad, or oh, in the Emerald Isle, long ago. And by Emerald Isle, I mean in Glenview. Uh, <laughs> my, my mother is a Mickey fanatic. She has designed the kitchen in the house that she lives in with my dad around a black and white framed poster of Steamboat Willie. All of the Shut up. I swear to God. Everything, Shut is, up. everything in the kitchen is, is designed to fit that photo. She I gotta has, see this. She has Mickey... Uh, piggy bags up in the kitchen we have mickey fridge magnets we have mickey utensils what i mean is we have a fork with a mickey head cut into like the three circle head is cut into the base of all the forks and knives 
Uh, all of our plates, all of the glasses, everything has Mickey Mouse on them. In the ba downstairs bathroom, there is all of the handles are Mickey Mouse. The shower curtain, Mickey Mouse. The, the wallpaper, Mickey Mouse. The soap is shaped like a Mickey head. Everything is Mickey Mouse. I hate that damn rat. It has watched me shower. I have had to use Disney-related products my entire life. Disney, because it's evil... And I have spent an entire lifetime disparaging it to everybody who could ever possibly come into my life. I will tell them constantly, hey, just to let you know, um, I hate Disney. Then they bought Marvel, and I died inside. Then they bought Lucasfilm, and I can contemplated suicide. <laughs> the, the thing is, though, and this is what makes me feel good about it. As much as it kills me that Disney owns Marvel, and it really does, I don't think people will ever understand how much it kills me inside that Disney owns Marvel, which, for the record, since Disney has bought Marvel, no more blood in Marvel Comics. There just right. isn't. They don't, fight, they don't fight villains anymore, and there's no blood. It's always robots or aliens, because you can get away with not showing blood there. Nitpicking. But I will give them this. Marvel has yet to make a bad movie. From what I understand... Disney is basically hands-off with Marvel. They don't have anything really to do with the creative decisions. They help with marketing, and they help with planning release dates and how to get that to work, but, Mar but Marvel is basically left alone. I'm pretty confident that that's what they're going to do with Star Wars. I think they bought it as an acquisition, like as a corporate entity, not as a creative entity. Does that make sense? Yeah, but again, D it's Disney. Yes, and they are at some point going to screw it up. That's going to happen. I mean, it's that and, you know, every Disney store is going to have Star Wars. I'm okay with that. I already have to go into Disney stores all the time anyway for my mother. So, any chance you to... You have to. I do. It's a choice. No, it's really not. It's really not. <laughs> you try to do last-minute sh uh, Christmas shopping for your mother, and the only thing she really that she really loves is Disney. Last year, for, last year for Christmas, I got her a white sock Mickey Mouse. You can find knockoff versions of Mickey Mouse without going to Disney stores. I don't. I, honestly, I, uh, until they do something to really make me mad, I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Also, the last time I went to Disney World, uh, I was actually blown away by how much I enjoyed it as an adult. However, I still hate that rat, and the company is evil. And for the record, for all of you listening, Disney still owns a porn company. It's a little dirty secret of theirs, and it's, the high, it's one of the highest grossing things, just to let you know. They, they really? also own porn. Yeah, I forgot what the name of the company is, but they also own a porno company. Because they're Disney. They're a multimedia conglomerate. Um, you should see it. It's really messed up what they do to Princess Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I mean, talk about the Beast. <laughs> so it's cartoons. Of no, it's not. I just really wanted to make a joke <laughs> about Belle getting plowed by the Beast. So I was going to say, all of our childhood dreams are coming true now. Your childhood dreams. The only one. The, there's only one Disney princess I ever wanted to sleep with, and that was Jasmine. Really? Yeah, I like Jasmine. I liked her outfit. It was very slave Leia. <laughs> uh, before we end the stuff, <laughs> <laughs> slave Leia. That's right. Hey, it, it, there is no greater nerd fantasy. I didn't like slave Leia. I liked the slave before she died. Oh, you liked the green girl? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. There's something about with what was that thing she wore? It was like two long things. 
Oh, she's a. Okay. Um, if you. Uh, God, I'm such a. She's a Twi'lek. She is. She's a. She's a, She's from the planet. She's from. Uh, uh, the, she's a Twi'lek. She, very force sensitive people. But the reason that she was able to be held slave is because you know the force, doesn't work on huts. Uta chuta solo. Before we end this, though, I, I, the one thing I want to get to with these trailers, and it's the one thing that I've really noticed, who's the one person we know is in these movies? There's two, actually, two characters, two actors who we know are in, these two mo- in this movie whose faces we have not seen. One, Max von Sydow, the exorcist, uh, ha- is in this movie in some sort of role, and we have yet to see his face. And most importantly... We have not seen Luke Skywalker's face. We finally got a shot of Leia's face in the last trailer. We have not yet to see Luke Skywalker. Do you think that means that there's something... uh, I think they're saving Luke for Episode 8. I think he's the kind of thing where he shows up towards the end of 7 to set up 8 and 9. I don't think he's like a main force in this one. I think he's the... In writing, you know, they always talk about an inciting incident or a MacGuffin. I think he's the MacGuffin of this movie. I think people are trying to find Luke Skywalker. I don't know, because, you know, they are, I mean, it's confirmed that they're going to do Episode 8. And Episode 9. Right. So, Which, according to all the corporate releases, say that the episodes will deal with the Skywalker storyline, and then Star Wars anthology films, which are like the standalone movies, will be with whatever they're about. But the, the episodes are about Skywalkers. I mean, and this is where I kind of get a little hesitant with J.J. Abrams, is that you know he kind of does these things where he builds a story up, builds a story up, builds a story up, and then he, you get to like a cliffhanger, and then it's done. And you gotta wait until the next season. You gotta wait till season seven of Lost to find out that everybody was dead. Right. You know. And I'm kind of thinking he's gonna do the same thing, but in the movie sense, and that's what concerns me because I mean he does a great job of executing something, but his follow through at times is kind of like eh, JJ. Do we have to go back to film school to figure out? <laughs> Yeah, what narrative structure. Well, I, 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 I'll tell you this way, though. Some of the major mistakes of the prequels I feel they won't make. Like, if Kylo Ren is a really interesting villain, then I can tell you that he probably won't die at the end of this movie, which is the biggest mistake of the prequels, was killing Darth Maul at the end of Episode One. To me, that's the biggest mistake of those prequels, even more than the casting of Hayden Christensen or anything else. If you'd left Darth Maul alive at the end of Episode One and had him fight again Obi-Wan in Episode 2 to set up, again, I'm a wrestling fan, to set up the WrestleMania main event of Episode 3 is Darth Maul and Obi-Wan coming for revenge for Qui-Gon Jinn. That storyline in itself would have made the movies much better. But instead, they kill him off, and then they don't really have a strong villain in Episode 2. There's no villain in Episode 2. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Episode 3, and oh, here's General Grievous, this CGI robot thing that nobody cares about. I, I, I even would have just... All he would have had to have done to save Episode 3, in my opinion, is have one scene where you find out that General Grievous is actually Darth Maul in the machine. I mean, outside some of the things that you've mentioned, what are some other things that you'd be highly disappointed in when you see the movie? I don't want Han Solo to die. It feels too easy and too transparent for them to just kill Han off at the end of the movie. I would rather, if they're going to do anything, um, 
I, I, I just don't want them to just kill Han because it's just so obvious that that's what they're going to do. Uh, I, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think Han Solo needs a death to not be in Episode 8 and 9. I just feel that it's not something that people want to see. And I think that if you try to force it, like forcing Captain Kirk Spock's death scene in Star Trek 2, it's going to come off as forced. That's my, that's my first thing. My second thing that I'm a little concerned with is you are attempting to launch a franchise right now. When John Favreau made Iron Man 1, seeds were planted to what would become the Marvel Universe, but mm-hmm. they weren't blatant. You know, there were little things. Captain America Shield makes an appearance. Nick Fury at the very end talking about the Avengers initiative, but that's later on. Throughout the movie, you don't really get a focus on it. And what I don't want here is, well, here's a scene with this character who seems very important for the four seconds he's on screen, but we won't see him again until episode nine. You know, and I, I just don't want that. I don't want, which is arguably the biggest complaint of Avengers 2, right? That it's good, but there's so much setting up for Avengers 3 and Phase 3 of Marvel that you feel like the story suffers, and that's one of my big concerns. I, I guess the other thing that I'm worried about is, again, I read all the novels. I read all of the expanded universe. I'm afraid that the fact that the... I have always accepted it as gospel in my head that once the rebellion kills the emperor invader, that the empire is kind of beaten, right? That mm-hmm. that's it. Like you've killed the leader, you've killed everything else, and yeah, there'll still be fights that you have throughout the rest of the universe. But for the most part, the emperor empire is done. I'm not sure how I feel about the idea that they did all of that and it basically amounted to nothing which is what the last trailer kind of gives me the vibe that the story of killing the Emperor and Vader is like this myth to kids. And I, li- I do like that idea, that the events of the original trilogy 30 years later are people you know, don't accept it on face value, that they think it's all made up, which in a world like, in a universe like that, where you don't live on the same planet as where the stuff is happening, you could be on the other side of a galaxy, why would you automatically accept that, oh, they said that these band of rebellions flew in and destroy the, destroyed this planet weapon? It would sound like a made-up story to you, especially if the Empire's still around. That's a cool concept, but I always liked the idea of, at the end of Return of the Jedi, you know, freedom is restored and, and everything. I was sort of hoping with this one, it's an external threat comes to the Star Wars universe, but I, I guess that's not really what they're doing. Yeah... I mean, I too don't want to see Han Solo die, but I have a funny feeling instead of him dying, um, put him back in that carbonite that they did with um, Return of the Jedi. With a reverse aging thing in the carbonite that by the end of the carbonite freezing process, he's Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah, that works. You know, everyone keeps saying that he's going to play Indiana Jones in the new rebooted Indiana Jones franchise. Mm-hmm. So, sure, just make him play Han Solo too. Just give him that. I mean, that's what I'm thinking they're gonna do. Instead of like you know overtly just killing him, I think they're gonna put him in that carbonite and just go from there. I feel. I will tell you the one part of the storyline that would actually break your heart. That would actually like the Han Solo dying thing is so transparent that it bothers me. I'll tell you the death that you wouldn't see coming that would get you. And it would get everybody. 
in the expanded universe, I talked to you, like I mentioned briefly, like this Yuzhang Vong thing that happens during mm-hmm. this giant alien invasion in the Star Wars universe in the novels. Uh, there's a big fight on a planet where these evil aliens are sucking the moon of a planet into the planet to destroy it, right? Like using gravity or something like that. And as the moon is hitting the planet, on the opposite side is the Falcon is trying to get as many people on the ship as they can to take off. And the last two to get on the ship are Han and... Or, 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 Chewie and Han's son, Anakin. And as the planet is collapsing, Chewie picks up Han Solo's son and throws him onto the ship, and then the planet explodes and Chewie dies. Right in front of Han. And to me, you want to send people out of the theater with something that you didn't see coming? Kill Chewie and watch theaters people leave the theaters in tears because that's like and, it, and it's disrespectful to peter mayhew but what's chewy really he's your dog right he's your he's your dog that can talk and you kill chewy that's a dramatic moment and then you have then you have even a role for harrison ford to kind of sink his teeth into for episode eight and nine because he's always said his biggest complaint is he feels like han solo has no character arc. Like, there's nothing special about him. He finds him boring to play. But you play him as the man who lost his best friend and is now out for revenge? I think that's a much more interesting story. Right. But, you know, I don't know. All I know is that I'm very excited to see this movie. I, I And if things go according to plan here on the Chicago Podcast Network, we'll have a big announcement for you soon. Hidge and I were talking about that off the air. Can't tell you anything now. No spoilers. But there's a possibility of something cool happening with that. Uh, it's also, you know, moving on from Star Wars, we did get 40 minutes out of a two-minute trailer. So positives to us. The uh, It's October 21st. 2015 and that might just seem like a normal date but if you've been on social media the last five days you know what today really is aj what is today it's the day that back to the future um came well that came what well, came out but it's pretty much predicted the Cubs are going to win the world series october 21st 2015 is the day that when in back to the future 2 when they programmed the uh, flux capacitor to send them forward into the future 30 years. Today is the day that they visit. And theoretically, we should have flying cars. We do not. We should have hoverboards. We do not. We do have hoverboards. We don't really have hoverboards. I'm tired of people saying we have hoverboards. We don't have hoverboards, hoverboards that are available at Toys R Us. Yet. Right. But today's the day that they're supposed to be there. <laughs> we have Pepsi Perfect. Came out today. But we have... Which I'm going to go buy, and I hate Pepsi. But we have glasses that you can see TV and all that stuff. Yeah, you have that, and you have the... You know, there are some things... Where's my hydrator for a pizza? So I can order a Pizza Hut pizza and hydrate it. Where's that? You're going to sit here and, and tell me that we've got some of it. We don't have hoverboards. Biff's not here. Where's Biff? Actually, Biff is here. He's Donald Trump. Have you seen those Nike's memes? Making, Nike's making... Shoes that you don't have to tie them. Yeah, but I feel like they're missing the window on that. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Like, they should have had it done by today. Like, if you're going to release it before the end of the year, then you should have at least had some sort of announcement today. Everyone else did. Mattel released a skateboard that looks like the hoverboard. It's kind of a rip-off, but what are you going to do? So you're just saying there's no mass production of the hoverboard, even though there are I was promised existing. hoverboards, AJ. Huh? I was promised hoverboards. Wow, you know, I was promised a lot of things too, but 
look what Disney failed me to. You know what though? This isn't Disney. This is Universal, and this is a much more respected company. Okay, it's a much more respected company. They don't own the rat or any of my childhood except for this one franchise, and. Damn it, I was promised hoverboards. I was promised Jaws 19. Okay? Where's Jaws 19? Don't you think we have Jaws 19 because of Sharknado? Really? No. 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 Hell no. A thousand times no. <laughs> no, you don't get to just say that because there's a movie about sharks that that's Jaws 19. Have you seen the fake Jaws trailer, by the way? There's a fake Jaws trailer? Yeah, the Universal released a trailer for Jaws 19 where they like go through all the different possible Jaws sequels. Like one is like Cyber Jaws. There's another that's like this time it's personal kind of thing. Like it, it's pretty funny. But you know, it's October 21st, 2015. It's just, it, to me, it's really, the interesting thing about it is Back to the Future in many ways is the most realistic interpretation of the future that you'll see in movies. Before that, everyone always said, oh, it's Blade Runner. Blade Runner is the most realistic depiction of the future. I don't know. Both. So. Yeah, but realistically, things haven't, it's 30 years. Things haven't really changed that much. The only thing that's really not that they haven't been in the future that we don't have here, besides the, you know, the little stuff, hoverboards, things like that, is the flying cars. Other so, than that, when he's driving around Hill Valley 2015, it looks like a normal city. So what's to say the things that. Back to the Future predicted and actually we actually have, such as big screen televisions and video conferencing, right? Right. We still have fax machines. And we also have um, news drones. CNN has one. I think US Today has one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The uh, the little floating USA Today cam camera. And there's also hands-free video games. True. True. Um, I do believe, you know, we have video glasses right now. Then we also have everyday consumer products like Pepsi. Okay, well, we, we, we had Pepsi. I mean, fine. I'll give it to you that, listen, I'm not one of those people who, who sits there and freaks out that stuff isn't the way that the movie said it was going to be. No one ever thought that we'd have, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought we'd have flying cars by 2015. And so did people who lived in the 50s and 60s who thought they'd all have jetpacks. You know, it's it's one of those things, but the to me, those movies aren't even about the science fiction. Those those movies are are really to me about chemistry between two actors. It's between Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. And if today is good for anything, if you haven't watched Back to the Future one and two and three in a long time, today's a really good day to go back and watch one of the best movie franchises you will ever see. Would you agree? I guess. What? Yeah. Yeah. You don't think it's one of the best movie franchises ever? It's an, it was an okay franchise. It was entertaining, but oh, I don't think it was like one of the best oh, or greatest. Oh, we, uh, oh, okay. I'm going to share in a very embarrassing story now with you <laughs> and the listeners. I love the Back to the Future movies. There is somewhere in my parents' house a beta cassette tape. Beta. Beta. Filmed on a camcorder, my father's first camcorder. And on that video, I can't believe I'm going to share this. Nobody knows this. All right, podcast audience, this is for you. This is why we have a podcast network, so I can share humili personally humiliating stories. On that tape, 
at a house in Des Plaines is a video of a young man whose name may or may not be Nick Sarantos. It may. I'm not saying it is. It may be of him. It's highly probable. Yes, in the in the 90th percentile that it features a young man named Nick Sarantos, who for Christmas uh, was given a fake. Basically, think of a Guitar Hero controller, but it made sounds like you press down a button. Think a keytar. It was like a keytar, right? But it was shaped more like a guitar. So it's possible that he was given one of those for Christmas. And then sometime later on, his grandmother took him to see a, a movie, or rented for him when he spent the night at her house, a movie called Back to the Future. And in that movie, Back to the Future, it's possible that a character named Marty McFly uh, plays a song called Johnny Be Good. And it's also possible, however unlikely, that a young man named Nick Sarantos at the age of seven years old dressed up in a red t-shirt, blue jeans, white button-down shirt with a vest over it that was red and puffy and then laid down on his bed and jumped all over his room while air guitaring to the song Johnny Be Good with pretty accurate recreations of the performance of one Michael J. Fox. It's possible that exists. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, it's it's not fun for me I to watch. my risky behavior routine was... Yeah, you know, I, the hell with risky... You mean risky business, and the hell with risky business, give me Marty McFly playing Johnny B. Good anytime. But give me a white boy starting rock and roll anytime. I don't know. I was looking good back in those days when after I saw risky business. The video is is the most humiliating thing. Like I, somebody showed it. I don't know, like ten years ago, they got it working, and yeah, yeah. All right, we're going coming up on the end of this, AJ. We got about another fifteen twenty minutes left. I mean, it's a podcast; we can go off as long as we want, but we're coming up on it. So, here's what I want to get to before we go. We're Chicago Podcast Network. We've talked Star Wars, we've talked Back to the Future Day. Those are two things that kind of go nationwide. Time to narrow our focus down to what. In my opinion, as a diehard White Sox fan, is not such a tragic event, which is the Chicago Cubs on this date, which is funny because we're talking about the Back to the Future thing, and if you're from Chicago, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that in Back to the Future 2, it's predicted that the Cubs would win the World Series this year. Doesn't seem likely since they're down 3-0 to the New York Mets, and I wish I could tell you, AJ, that I was sad about it. I really do. I'm not. <laughs> Inside, I am. Did you ever watch the Simpsons episode where Homer has like Homer's night out, and it's just like scene missing? Homer dancing with a bunch of uh, like pixies and fairies in like a fantastic setting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that's me right now in my head. That's how happy I am about the Mets beating the Cubs right now. I mean, so I know you have a hatred towards. North Side team. Yes. Um, I know you want to do certain things to a particular stadium. Yes, terrible, Side. terrible things. But, but don't you feel as an obligation? No. As listen before you react. <laughs> that as a Chicago win, that yes, your team didn't make it to the playoffs, which is unfortunate. But no, which is expected. You at least have which is Chicago expected. Team in something, despite no. that you don't like them or not, is is right now 
not the issue. The issue is there's you have two baseball teams, and one of them is actually in while the other one's not. That's like double your chances of going into the playoffs, in my view. Yeah, yeah. I wish that were the case, AJ. <laughs> I do. No, you know what? I've actually thought about it a lot this playoff run. There's a part of me that, you know, it's funny. You and I did a show a while back, uh, Chicago Sports Culture, and I talked about trying to live – you know, a, a relatively moral life, right? Like, we, we talked about that a lot. Right. And I, I got into the thing with you of, you know, I don't know how I feel about this kind of thing. And this is actually part of it. Because here's the thing. I hate the Cubs. I have always hated the Cubs. And I will hate the Cubs to the day I die. My grandmother raised me that way as a Sox fan. She has sent me, over the last five days... So many text messages just rooting for the Mets. This is my grandmother, okay? This is a woman who, when she saw the movie Letters from Iwo Jima, said that she couldn't feel bad for the Japanese characters because they started it. Wow. So she's got her stances. And the most important thing I feel is that I never... I live with a diehard Cubs fan. My roommate, Pat, is a diehard Cubs fan. And out of respect for him, so that it wasn't an unpleasant thing for him to watch the games, I told him that I would I would root... Not root. I would be okay with the Cubs making it to the World Series. Losing, obviously, in the World Series. But making it to the World Series just so that we could enjoy the playoff run and so I could watch baseball. And I, and I did that out of respect and so that I could live in a house with relative peace. But here's the truth. I want the Cubs to lose. I want them to spend the next 10 years getting exactly this far and losing every single time. Because I don't want the Cubs to win. Ask me why? Part of it is just because I've never wanted the Cubs to win and I feel very disingenuous to suddenly, when they're good, be like, well, I'm a Chicago fan. Because I'm not a Chicago fan. I'm a White Sox fan. White Sox fan is not a Cubs fan. I have no desire to see the Cubs win the World Series. The only way that the situation got better is if the Cubs had made it to the World Series to face the Yankees and then the stadium had blown up. See, here's the thing with me. So I'm going to go with hockey for a moment, okay? Oh, God. I like hockey. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Hawks fan. Always will be a Hawks fan, right? But if there's another team I also like, I'm going to support them if my Hawks don't make it. I'm not going to wear the jerseys. I'm just going to say I hope they do win, and, you know, I would, you know, pour a glass of beer if they when they win the cup. There are other baseball teams I root for. One of them really? is actually the New York Mets. I, if I had to pick a second team in baseball, it's probably the, the Mets. Nah, well, I, you know what? That's fair. It's the Brewers, but the Brewers are never going to do anything. So it's the Mets. I, I actually do enjoy the Mets. The Blue Jays? I, they're Canadian. Canadians shouldn't play baseball. Um, they do, and they're good. Yeah, the Royals are clearly better, though. They're up 3-1 to one in the series right now. Uh, I root for the Royals because they're the Yankee farm system, and it's fun to watch the team that will eventually be playing for the Yankees You know, do well in another city. The thing with me, though, with the Cubs is I have spent my entire life Telling all of my Cub fan friends how much I hate them. Taking joy. My favorite moment in baseball history is the Bartman incident. More so than any other incident in baseball history, including the White Sox winning the World Series, I might add. I got more joy watching Bartman than I did watching the Sox winning the World Series. And for the record, I know that that's messed up. I know that that's crazy. 
I don't care. It's sports. It doesn't matter. We did a whole hour on this. Sports don't matter. So I'm allowed to choose to root for whatever I want. And if I choose to spend my life for no reason whatsoever, just completely hating a sports team, then I'm going to embrace that. I want the Cubs to lose tonight. I want them to get swept by the Mets. And I want to I want to spend the next week watching everybody I know who's a Cubs fan walk around in misery. See, now I just have to support the Cubs just so I can see your reaction when they win over the Mets and get into the World Series and lose to the Royals. Once they do, I will buy a Kansas City Royals. You would have to join the North Side if they have to when they win the World Series. I feel. See, that's one of the other things we talked about Star Wars for forty minutes. Let me tell you something about the North Side. The North Side is the dark side. That is the Empire. I'm with the little band of rebels on the South Side. We all hang out together. We drink our Miller Lite, not our crappy Budweiser products. And we drink our Miller Lite and we eat our incredible food that you guys don't have access to. And, and we have a good time. And then when our team sucks, we just don't go to the games because no one wants to go to watch a bad baseball team. But Cubs fans just keep on going. And here they are. Budweiser or Miller, so I'm good with that. Yeah, craft beer, drinking pansy. Um, a real beer. Oh, okay, okay. No, I just had to do it. <laughs> um, so the Cubs are down 3-0 in this series, and they are bringing out the big guns tonight. Have you heard the big story about who's going to be at the ballgame tonight? Yeah, it's the, um, what's his name, who um, played in the movie um, Rookie of the Year? Yeah, the actor... Um, I've got to get this guy's name right to make sure that we give him the proper, uh, let's see here, Thomas Ian Nicholas, who many of you would actually know from his movies, from the American Pie movies. He played the one who dated, I think he's the one who, who dated uh, Tara Reid in those movies. The He is going to be at the game tonight wearing, not he apparently has a Cubs, the story that I read, he's got a Cubs jersey with his name on it because he's thrown the first pitch a few times, which is one of the things they give you. They give you a jersey with your last name on it, right? Right. And, but tonight they've made him a special Rowan Gartner jersey, which is the name of the character he played in Rookie of the Year. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like he's appearing in character as the guy from the fictitious time the Cubs made it to the World Series. To me, that would be like Cleveland being in the ALCS, down three games to nothing, and we're going to bring out Charlie Sheen. But he's not Charlie Sheen. He's actually um, Ricky Vaughn. Right. Which is weird. That's a weird thing to do. A little bit. It's so Chicago. It's so Chicago. But you know it's a uh, a PR ploy. No, it's 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 honestly that I, I honestly believe what it is is the Cubs the Cubs going. Yeah, this isn't going to be doing. This isn't going very well. So what can we do to kind of kick things into go? You know, kick things up and have it go. Whatever. I just think it's a funny little story that this dude who played a fictitious Chicago Cub is going to the stadium tonight to represent. Not even real success, fake success from a movie. And do you know the interesting thing about that movie? Have you read the little thing about it? Like who they played in the NLCS in that movie? Well, I know they played the Twins. No, see, that's what everyone keeps saying. It's well, not no, the Twins. The American League. Right. The Twins are from, not Rookie of the Year. 
What the hell is that one called? That's, uh, oh, my God, I can't believe I can't remember this. Uh, little Big know. League. Huh? That's Little Big League, the one where it's the, where the kid That's owns right. the Twins. That's, That's right. Little Big League. That's the one that has the cameo by Ken Griffey Jr. at the end. Right. The, the, in Rookie of the Year, the Cubs play the Mets to get to the oh, World dude. Series. So it's like this whole weird, freaky thing. I thought they played the Yankees. Nope, that's Major League. See? Again, if you want to go by, listen, in fake baseball history, if, if, if movies were real, it goes like this. If you want to start in, if you want to start in 89, it basically breaks down that there's a catcher who, there's a young, a, a, a catcher in his early 30s playing in the minor leagues. He doesn't succeed very well, so he switches to pitcher. While he's training to become a new pitcher, in 1990 and 1992, the Cleveland Indians, or 1990, 1991, the Cleveland Indians make it to the ALDS and then the ALCS and eventually go to the World Series in 1992 uh, to lose, I might add, to the Chicago Cubs who beat the Mets to get into the World Series. Right? Because based on that timeline. Then you go forward a little bit, and that same catcher who was in the leagues before it now is a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers and eventually goes on to throw a perfect game in the last game he ever pitches in For the Love of the Game. Oh, and at some point in there, the Anaheim Angels get really, really good for a little bit of the season. See, I'm surprised with that movie. They have Thomas Ian Nichols, which he should because he was like the star. But they're not bringing, like, Gary Busey. That's what I was going to get to. Why isn't Gary Busey invited? That's who you need in your dugout. Gary Busey just walking up and down the Cubs dugout trying to get them with their positivity and all that crazy crap that he does on uh, the Celebrity Apprentice. You know, that or Daniel Stern. Yeah. Do you know Daniel Stern directed that movie? He did? Daniel Stern directed Rookie of the Year. I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, I found that out today. It blew my mind as well. So, yeah, there should be Daniel Stern, Gary Busey, and I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of other really bizarre like actors who eventually go on to do good things. Let's see. Dan Hedaya, who you, everyone knows as uh, uh, Quantum Leap. There was – it was – what was the guy's name? Uh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Uh, let's see what else we got here. Eddie Bragg and Daniel Stern. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else in here that's important. No, nope, that's it. The idea, though, that they're going to have this kid come out and like be a part of this is just so, so cub. And the thing is, I will give you this. And before we get out of here for the day, here's how I predict this actually happens. Assuming the Cubs get their happy ending, it's back to the future day. You are predicted to win the World Series and Back to the Future too. If there is such a thing as the baseball gods, if that exists, here's what's going to happen. On Back to the Future Day, you begin the second greatest comeback in the history of baseball and win four games in a row and go on to win the World Series because it's like the time is right. Everyone's talking Back to the Future today. That's the storybook ending to the Cubs season. Now, that's not going to happen like at all, but wow. – that that would be the way that you do it. I think that's that is going to happen because they're kind of like building up this motivation and everything, and trying to inject this positive energy to on the game and everything in order for them to win the four and go to the series and go to the World Series. 
Yeah, that's not going to happen, though. It's happened one time. In in the, I think I saw the stat today, in the 34 times that a team has had a 3-0 lead in the championship series, one team has come back from 3-0, and that was obviously the Red Sox in 2004. Other than that, it's never happened and is very unlikely to happen. You would need basically to have whoever pitches tonight for the Cubs. I honestly don't even know who's starting. It's a bullpen start. Then you need Arietta to be perfect, and you need uh, John Lester to be perfect. And then you've got to go to Kyle Hendricks to not screw the pooch in Game 7. If I was John Madden, uh, John Madden I this is just fantasy baseball stuff right now, I'd have Arietta going tonight on three days rest. If I, if, I mean, that's what you do. You put your ace out there tonight to stop the bleeding and then force John Lester to pitch on a short rest tomorrow as well and try to get into the situation where you're back in New York. That's the only thing that really works. Other, right. than, other than that, you're just kind of wasting an entire uh, postseason run here. All right, AJ, well, we're coming up on the end of this thing. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to share with the people? Not right now. Any re- before we go, any reaction to Joe Biden announcing he's not running in the least shocking announcement in the last, like, 10 years in politics? I, I knew two things. One, I knew he was not going to run because he doesn't have it in him no longer to run for a third pres- presidential bid. And I think he has the bucket list that he wanted to appoint. And, you know, the vice presidency was, you know, the... It wasn't on there, but he probably wrote it and scratched it off because I think that's what I, that's how I feel. Second, um, my prediction is going to plan that Paul Ryan will be the Speaker of the House. Yeah, that's scary in and of itself. I mean that that that's a, that's a Tea Party fundamentalist uh, running the Republican Party, and apparently he wants a consensus vote, or he's not going to take the job anyway. So. We'll get to see how that plays out in the next couple days with everything building up there. And I think the second Democratic debate is coming up as well, another Republican debate. So we'll cover those as they happen. Other than that, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's Star Wars slash Back to the Future slash AJ and I Hope the Cubs Lose uh, podcast. Not going to respond to that? Fine. Okay. Nope, nope. I'm just going to leave it, leave it right there. Leave it hanging? Fine. Other than that, AJ, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Nick Serranos and AJ Signori with Out Front. We are uh, ending the show today. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, all of that proper's coming up here at the end of the show. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you guys a little bit later. And uh, enjoy your day. Go Mets. I'm not actually going to end with that. Go Cubs. I will say it because it's a Chicago podcast number. So for the rest of you who are listening, go Cubs. But to the voice that lives inside of my face... We'll be back. Uh, We'll have another episode up for you guys probably next week. This has been Nick Serrano's AJ Signari for Chicago Podcast Network. We out! This has been a production of the Chicago Podcast Network. Theme music provided by the Free Music Archive, Morning Blue by Josh Woodward. That's Josh Woodward on the Free Music Archive. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.